But the students feel in a way that this is like grown-up Spanish. You know, like I said about my own experience, the first sure. words I learned in French were uh-huh. tablecloth oh. and, you know, tea party with my mom, sure. right? So that's like home French, yeah. right? But now the students are learning Spanish for molecular diagnostics. Mm-hmm. You know, and the students have told me that I don't even know these words in English, never mind Spanish, nope. and they're native speakers. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. I'm Dan Gable, Technology Manager for the LRC. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language, Angelica Kramer speaks with Lisa Sansusi, Coordinator of Language Learning Initiatives at the LRC, about FLAC, the Foreign Languages Across the Curriculum Initiative. Lisa outlines the history and structure of the program, and they discuss the importance of interdisciplinary learning and teaching in today's global society. Welcome to our third episode of our podcast, Speaking of Language. Today, I have a wonderful guest in the studio with me, my colleague, Lisa Sansouci, who is the coordinator of language learning initiatives at the LRC. Now, that's quite a long title, and it actually doesn't do justice to all the work that Lisa does. Um, Among many other things, she um, coordinates the Foreign Languages Across the Curriculum program, our Jumpstart program, the Shared Course Initiative, our Conversation Hours, and the list goes on and on and on. Um, So I am very excited to welcome Lisa to the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you, Angelica. I'm very happy to be working on these projects with you. Fantastic. So today we want to focus on the foreign languages across the curriculum, or FLAC. But before we get started, Lisa, could you share with us a little bit about your background with languages, your path um, in language learning? What languages do you speak? So my family is from, originally from Quebec, and I grew up, I'm a heritage speaker French. My oh. grandparents were all from Quebec. My parents were bilingual. Oh, wow. My mother went to French Catholic um, school mm-hmm. in French and English. And my mother really loved grammar, and she was good at languages. <laughs> she also loved Latin, yeah. and she studied Spanish. And she taught me from a very early age. So my memories of learning French are primarily as a child from my mother and grandmother. My mm-hmm. grandmother lived just two houses up the street. Nice. And she spoke primarily French. Um, so the very first word I remember learning in French was tablecloth, which is la nappe. Because my mother and I would have tea parties around the dining room table. <laughs> yeah. So my first initial vocabulary was, was, uh, was around uh, tea parties. Okay, um, that's fantastic. So I studied French in junior high and high school. Mm-hmm. I took AP French in high school. I had a wonderful French teacher in high school. Very inspiring. She'd studied at the Sorbonne. She got a PhD from the Sorbonne mm. while she was our teacher. And then when I came to Cornell as an undergrad in the 80s, I wanted to continue. I loved languages. wanted yeah. to continue. So I took French language classes, kind of ran out of French classes to take, <laughs> um, and was studying government and Southeast Asian studies I mm-hmm. moved into. So I started studying Russian because it was the 80s. Yeah. Uh, I had a wonderful, wonderful teachers for Russian. Turned out I had a friend in the government department who was studying Japanese. And we talked about it. And I was very interested in Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and in Asia, generally. Yeah. Um, so she said, well, she said, Lisa, she said, um, I think they're, they're doing this summer. I th- she said, I think they need guinea pigs for this workshop with the teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, maybe you could sign up for that. And then I talked to administrators in the Department of Modern Languages and Linguistics at the time. And they said, yes, you can be a guinea pig for the Japanese teacher training workshop mm. in the summer. And we'll pay you. Oh, wow. So, Even better. <laughs> this was fantastic. <laughs> so that great. I get to learn Japanese. And I really just took to it like a fish in the water, I guess. Um, 
I love audio work. I'm a very oral learner. Mm-hmm. Um, I had grown up playing piano, studying piano and voice. My mother also loved music mm-hmm. and taught me piano, and we listened to a lot of opera together. So, and I sang in chorus. Yeah. Um, so, music language really go together sure. for me. Yep. Um, so, and and Japanese was taught here very much. Or orally led, right, or mm-hmm. with an audiolingual focus. So for me, that worked well. I'm a very oral learner. So I went from Russian to Japanese, and then I did some Vietnamese also as an undergrad. Oh, I got wow. involved with Southeast Asian yeah. Studies. I wrote my senior thesis here on the Vietnam War. After graduating, I sought opportunities to teach abroad. And then I got an opportunity to teach in Vietnam through Volunteers in Asia. And so, of course, I went with the Vietnam mm-hmm. opportunity because it was so hard to find opportunities to go to Vietnam. Yeah. And I taught in mm-hmm. uh, Hanoi for about a year. Came back, pursued graduate school, did more Japanese, was at the University of Tokyo for several years at the Social Science Institute. And I also did advanced Japanese language studies at the Inter-University Center for Japanese Language Studies. So I continue. I've sat in on Latin last year, which I really enjoyed. Um, Fun. I'd love to do some some Chinese in the future. Uh, Of course, my explorations in Asian languages have taken me a little bit into Korean also. And the joy for me now working in the Language Resource Center is I'm working with many of the teachers that I had as an undergrad. Oh, fantastic. So I have a very special bond with, with, you know, in general with the language learning and teaching community here at Cornell, but in particular with my teachers when I was an undergrad. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks. As I mentioned earlier, today we want to focus on the foreign languages across the curriculum program that we have running here at Cornell. So if you could tell us a little bit about the history of the FLAC program, how long ago was this started, and what are traditionally the departments and units that participate in FLAC? Sure, sure. Um, so the F- Cornell's Foreign Language Across the Curriculum program was formally launched in fall of 2015 and spring of 2016, mm-hmm. uh, about, about November 2015. Um, but prior to that, people had been doing FLAC at Cornell. They had been um, developing foreign language sections of their classes, but yeah. more in an ad hoc way. Um, so uh, so what I work on in FLAC is setting up um, special one-credit sections of larger classes all across the university. Mm-hmm. Um, and what distinguishes the FLACs is that they're not in English. Right. So, so the default structure of many classes at Cornell is a large lecture class with many sections mm-hmm. in English. Yeah. And what I work on is setting up sections not in English, right? So Ezra Cornell, the founder of Cornell, said, um, I would found an institution where any student mm-hmm. can find instruction in any study. Yep. And I would extend that to, <laughs> I would found an institution where any student can find instruction in any study in any language, yep. right? Absolutely. So there's nothing that there's nothing that states that instruction at Cornell has to be mm-hmm. in English, even yep. though that has become the default for sure. many classes. So yep. so there has been a movement, there had been a movement before I started for at least a decade to develop a FLAC program at Cornell. And faculty were doing this in an ad hoc way. For example, there was a professor in history who was doing, uh, he teaches modern Japanese history, and he would do a Japanese language section mm-hmm. just on his own. Yeah. Um, and similarly in Asian studies, there's a professor who does teaches Zen Buddhism, and she developed a Japanese language section to mm-hmm. go with it. Um, similar Himalayan studies program at Cornell. There was a couple of faculty uh, anthropologists who work in Nepal, and they developed a Nepali language component as part of their program. Yeah. But people were doing it in an ad hoc way. Um, we've had Spanish sections, you know, of film classes, for example, mm-hmm. um, some Chinese language sections. So... The program was formally launched in 2015, 
It was co-sponsored, co-developed by the College of Arts and Sciences and the Vice Provost for International Affairs. Yeah. Um, and they launched FLAC, and I was hired to coordinate the program at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, a call for proposals went out to all faculty from the provost's office across the university. And the initial call, I got maybe 66 proposals oh, from wow. all over the university, yeah. and both modern and ancient languages, mm-hmm. um, you know, which was very exciting. So I started that stage meeting with faculty and developing the FLAX and the many, many wonderful ideas. Yeah. Um, um, so what are some of the departments and programs that currently offer FLAC? We, we've, we've, um, I've set up FLAX in six of the seven undergraduate colleges. Oh, wow. And that would be the College of Arts and Sciences, Agriculture and Life Sciences, Human Ecology, Architecture, Art and Planning, Law, Graduate School, uh, Graduate College, and in industrial and labor relations. Mm-hmm. So the only undergraduate college uh, where we haven't had a flack yet is engineering, but okay. I have proposals and we're setting up a jumpstart class, which is um, for students with beginning level mm-hmm. Spanish to go uh, to Honduras and Nicaragua. Yeah. But I'm, that could probably develop into a flack. Fantastic. I have yeah. another proposal in engineering for a structural engineering class. Uh, that could be in French or German. Mm-hmm. So engineering is just almost there. It's mm-hmm. on the horizon. That's great. So if we, when we set up FLAC in engineering, we'll, we'll, we will have FLACs in all seven undergraduate colleges. Wonderful. Um, and as well as the law school. Mm-hmm. There are possibilities in the med school. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been talking to them about Latin and ancient Greek for medicine, mm-hmm. you know, which could be very interesting. Yep. We have had a request from the Geneva Experiment Station Plant Science uh, for some language yeah. you know, components. So yep. that's an area. Um, business and hotel school also. Sure. So um, it's, so FLAC is cross college, mm-hmm. university wide. There are at least 30 departments involved in FLAC mm-hmm. um, across all the, all the different schools. It's fantastic. And many of the classes yeah. are interdisciplinary and cross listed Sure, sure. Uh, we're up to 13 languages. Okay. I've set up about 40 FLAC courses in 13 languages so far. In the FLAC classes, what's, what's the structure? Who, who are the teachers, who are the instructors, and how many students are there in each of these sections? The FLACs are taught primarily by graduate students. Many are multilingual, mm-hmm. uh, international graduate students. Um, I really enjoy working with them yeah. uh, because many of them come to, they come to Cornell and they primarily teach in English. Yeah. Um, but FLAC gives them an opportunity to teach in their native or very proficient language. Sure. Um, and they really enjoy doing that. And it gives the students an, a different perspective mm-hmm. on the material. Mm-hmm. Um, the students... Students, um, in in the classes, we have often a mix of native speakers and heritage speakers and what we call bottom-up learners, Mm -hmm. learners of the language. So the FLACs are unique in that they incorporate Mm -hmm. those different backgrounds, right? Um, The FLACs give students an opportunity to practice and develop their language skills in relation to a disciplinary area. For Mm. example, we have a French section of comparative politics. Um, and normally they would have English sections, which yeah. they do as well, but then they have the French section. Sure. We have a Spanish le- language section of Introduction to American Government, for mm-hmm. example. So they have all their English sections, mm-hmm. maybe 12 or 13 sections total or more, and then they have a Spanish language mm-hmm. section. Um, we've had an Arabic language section of Egyptian history. Mm, we've nice. had Indonesian section of Southeast Asian history and Southeast Asian politics. Um We've had Chinese language section of Southeast Asian politics, yeah. which opens up the question of the Chinese diaspora. Sure, sure. Southeast Asia. How many students are usually in a section for for FLAC? They can be anywhere from three to four for the smallest languages. Okay. Maybe German and Italian have been the smallest. Mm-hmm. Those are still developing. 
Arabic was a bit smaller, um, to six or seven, you know, we've had in French, and then up to 10 or 12 for Spanish. Yeah. Spanish flack is very popular. That's great. Uh, so we tend to get very strong enrollments in that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of graduate students on campus who speak Spanish or native speakers who, mm. who want to do mm-hmm. these, who contact me and they want yeah. to teach these sections. You know, the word That's is out. Nice. So the flacks are unique in that they draw together a community of language speakers yeah. within a larger parent class. Um, the flack doesn't necessarily have to be related to the parent class, mm-hmm. for example. So you, we could have introduction to microeconomics, mm-hmm. and we could have a Hindi section within that. Mm-hmm. Um, or we could have a Chinese language yeah, section yeah. or an Arabic, just depending on, or Polish, you know, just depending on the, the if there's a critical mass. Mm-hmm. So I try mm-hmm. to respond to those students uh, who want to develop a section within their class. And yeah. I do get emails from undergrads and grads who want to teach them if they have a community, you know, or critical mass of students within that. So one of the, I think, initial conceptions about FLAC was that the language has to go with the parent class. Mm -hmm. So if you're teaching Latin American history, Mm -hmm. you would want to put in a section in Spanish, which I've done. But Latin American history could have a section in Portuguese. It could have a section in Chinese. It could have a section in Korean, just depending on Mm -hmm. who is in it. I tried to set up a Spanish language section for Caribbean history, Caribbean worlds and Caribbean history. And it turned out we had mostly Korean speakers and Chinese speakers in the class. Huh, so I could have done maybe a Chinese language yeah. section or a Korean language section mm-hmm. of the history of the Caribbean, yeah. which would have been really interesting. Yeah. But it just depended. That was the particular mix that semester. So um, it doesn't necessarily have to be related to mm-hmm. what we call the parent sure. class. So working with all these different departments, units, colleges... I bet there are logistical difficulties and challenges that you face. Can you briefly talk about some of those? I wouldn't call it difficulties so much as it's more for me, I feel like a midwife kind of knitting together mm-hmm. all these different, bringing together all these different units yeah. and to, to create a space for the students to, to learn in this way. Yeah. I really believe in FLAC. I think it's very empowering for the students and the teachers. The graduate students love teaching them. They feel mm-hmm. really empowered. Mm-hmm. They thank me. They're, you know, they're mm-hmm. really moved you know, to be able to teach yep. in their native language. Um, so I wouldn't so much call it difficulties and challenges. It's probably the main goal or objective in the future is to, to, to develop this in a way that's, um, it's more institutionalized Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. Cornell does have a strong tradition of interdisciplinary study and this fits into that. Um, but each flack brings together about four or five different units, Mm -hmm. um, and so for a flag to work, I often tell the faculty that the stars have to, a bunch of stars have to all align. Yeah. So you need faculty members very supportive, uh-huh. of which we have many, fortunately. Yep. The initial group of proposals I got was really excellent, and faculty just jumped on this and mm-hmm. said, Lisa, I had faculty calling me from New York City saying, Lisa, this is a great idea. You know, we have students in engineering who miss their Hindi and they mm-hmm. want to speak in Hindi, right? So this gives them a space to do yeah. that. So, so we have very supportive faculty, and then we need a a parent class with a critical mass of students who want to do the the flack. Yeah. And then we need a, an instructor, and those haven't been hard to find either. It's mm-hmm. usually a graduate. 90% of the time, it's a graduate student in that field who's recommended to me by the faculty proposing the flack. I see. And in cases where I can't, the few cases where I can't find someone, I just go to a related department. Mm-hmm. Like some government TAs have gone to history. Yeah. But it's very close uh, relationships among the faculty and fields. So, mm-hmm. um So the main 
as I see it in the future, the main objective I would have would be to institutionalize this more. Yeah. You know, get it yeah. on a get it on a footing yeah. that is institutionally stable, right? Yeah. Because right now I have to put it all together every mm-hmm. semester, right? Mm-hmm. To keep it to keep it running. Right. Yeah. So So you highlighted a few of the benefits like the graduate students mm-hmm. really enjoy teaching mm-hmm. these flat courses. Mm-hmm. The students love the opportunity to to engage in the target language. Can you talk a little bit more on a on a broader scale beyond just locally here at Cornell? Um, why are programs like FLAC important? I think first of all, it's really important to create a multilingual and support a multi a multilingual space for the yeah. students to express themselves. Um, I think this is very much the wave of the future. Mm-hmm. Students really want these classes. Mm-hmm. Faculty, grads, students really want these classes. Yeah. It's not just me, mm-hmm. right? Flack isn't just <laughs> isn't just my you yeah. know it isn't just my project right yeah. at all. You know, it's it's been around for a long time. Our Cornell Flack program is part of a larger movement over the past 20 years called Languages Across the Curriculum. Uh, which supports the goals of internationalization mm-hmm. uh, that Cornell and other schools have, developing global opportunities and competence for students. Yeah. Um, I think particularly um, in the in the current climate too. You know, mm, um, certainly. And you know, we in the climate now where the the other has become marked. Right. Mm-hmm. I I you know I want to create a space where all voices are welcome. Yeah. You know, um, for, and. And the students have responded really well to that. The other really interesting thing, which has developed, I have sat in and observe all the flacks every semester, go to all of them. And the students very consistently say that they learn the material from the parent class better in the flack. Hmm. How interesting. Yeah. For a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, First of all, the flacks are smaller. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, They're getting a different perspective. You know, they have their lecture in English and then they have their flack Mm -hmm. section in Spanish or Chinese, or Arabic, or Hindi, um, and then they often, they just get a different perspective on the material, yeah. and it's smaller, and they feel they learn the material better. There are a range of students in the FLAX, native speakers, and heritage, and they can help the ones who are what we call bottom-up learners. Yeah. So the FLAC classes have a lot of group work and participation, yeah. um, but the students feel in a way that this is like grown-up Spanish. You know, like I said about my own experience, the first sure. words I learned in French were uh-huh. tablecloth yep. and, you know, tea party with my mom, sure. right? So that's like, that's like, you know, home French, yeah. right? But now the students are learning Spanish for molecular diagnostics. Mm-hmm. You know, and the students have told me that I don't even know these words in English, never mind Spanish. Yep. And they're na- native speakers. Yep. Um, Interesting. Yeah. That's so, fascinating. So they're really specialized. The students say they're very practical and useful yeah. for them. Um, and it gives students outside of, for example, the College of Arts and Sciences, an opportunity to study Spanish related to their discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, they may be interested in Spanish, mm-hmm. but they may be not as interested in Spanish literature. Uh, so this gives them an opportunity to sure. study their scientific field in yeah. Spanish in relation to their area. So they feel that they're very, they're very useful. Yeah, this um, is wonderful. Well, thank, thank you, you so much for all the work that you have been doing and that you continue to do on this, on this very exciting project. Um, you mentioned some of the dedicated faculty members who support the flag programs. Later this semester, I will actually speak with one of them, Jeremy Thompson. He is a research associate and lecturer in plant pathology and plant microbiology. 
He incorporates a FLAC and actually also a jumpstart course in Spanish in his course on molecular diagnostic techniques that are employed today by researchers and the critical role they play in monitoring and controlling the spread of disease. So this course that he teaches includes a two-week winter break field trip to the vineyards of Chile. Um, Lisa, thank you again so much for sharing um, the information about FLAC and for all the work that you do. It's been great having you on the You're podcast. You're very welcome. I'm very happy to do it. Thank you, Angelica. Uh, next week, we welcome Stephanie Devo. She will join us on the podcast. She's a senior lecturer in Asian Studies and Language Program Director of Mandarin Chinese. Stephanie will talk to us about some of the exciting initiatives and programs in the Chinese program at Cornell. Until then, auf Wiederhören! The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or look for Cornell LRC on Facebook and Twitter. Speaking of Language is produced by Sam Lupwitz and Dan Gable. Recorded by Sam Lupwitz. Original music by Sam Lupwitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners and do stay tuned for our next episode.